Hello and welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell. We're here to talk about the Wednesday, May 19th NHL Daily Fantasy Slate. Uh, DJ, we finally get Canada, you know, in the playoffs. You know, uh, by the time the slate starts, the regular season will thankfully be over. Uh, Vancouver, Calgary will have finished their last game. Um, and yeah, we get Winnipeg Edmonton on the slate Wednesday. So, uh, we're looking at four games a night for the next, you know, handful of days. So how are you doing? Uh, how's the first few days of the playoffs been? I know we've talked to the Mayo media network, but you know, we haven't done a morning skate podcast in like a week now. Yeah, it's been exactly what you want and more. Every game has been a joy. Uh, I don't think there's really been one bad game until today, uh, when we're recording being Tuesday, when we finally had a couple kind of. I wouldn't even say terrible games. I mean, they weren't bad, but like obviously the Pittsburgh uh, Islanders game had a million shots was kind of more your Vegas, um, Vegas game, Vegas, Minnesota game from the other night. But like the Florida, the game just disappointed. Like it was supposed to be like the greatest game on ice and it just didn't quite get there. Um, so f- kind of the first disappointment of the playoffs. And now we're going into this four game slate, the, the biggest, right? We haven't had a four gamer yet. So I'm excited right. to get it back. We'll get it back going again. Um, you know, I mean, my lineup is fine. I'm still, I mean, I have a lot of guys in the late, late game here on Tuesday. So maybe we'll get a little bit of a live sweat. I know you have even more of a live sweat than me right now. So uh, how are you doing? I mean, let's, let's, let's talk to the King over here, Matt. I mean, come on, what's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, you know, like you noted, the Florida Tampa game was pretty disappointing. Uh, Tampa got the lead and basically just decided to park the bus. It, it was very strange, um, you know, just given 13 talent. It almost came back to bite them. Uh, but they held on. So Bassie got there. Um, you know, King, haha, funny. The King of the Barn contest over on DraftKings. I did drop a link to it in the in the Monescape Pod Discord if you're interested in it. Just a really cool concept. Um, doesn't seem like I have too much of a sweat anymore. Like, um, looks like I'm getting passed, you know, by a couple guys. But basically what it is, is it's a six-day long sort of tournament of sorts. Um, and it's just like a who's who of like, you know, the big, the, the big money guys in uh, DFS. So um, after the six days of playing DFS, you get ranked one through 20 based on your finish every game, uh, every day. And then you get 20 points of finishing first and one for finishing in 20th, you know, that sort of reverse scale thing. Uh, whoever has the most points gets a $13,000 payout after the six days. So uh, you know, looking to string together six, you know, top five finishes would be nice. I'm currently sitting in second with a couple of Minnesota defensemen as we close out the first period in this one. So, you know, I would need something to really break right for me. Um, but, you know, you never know. Minnesota takes home a dub and Flurry takes the loss. I could have myself a nice finish here. Um, but it's been a good few few days. I, I've made a run in the $40 last night. I made another one tonight. finishing somewhere in the top 10 so just looking to keep putting shots on goal and try to get you know the 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 scott mayfield games where you hit 25 points around the nuts um which just fall to up the leaderboard so that's sort of like the the personal standpoint of what we're looking at here as far as the series are concerned i i you know we already talked about florida and tampa i think this minnesota vegas series is kind of wild (laughs) like Uh, obviously we don't need to talk too much about these series that are not on uh wednesday yeah wednesday i I get the days mixed up at this point um on wednesday slate but 
this Minnesota Vegas series is so much fun to watch. And surprisingly, the Islanders are playing up tempo hockey. So like, you yeah, know, right. up is down, you know, right is left, like whatever, uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans getting along, like the world is crazy right now. So, you know, right. I, I don't really know what to make of that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we have four really good games. I mean, we could talk, we're going to, you know, kind of go through them in, in some capacity in, in depth, I'm sure going through this late, but every series has been great. Um, you know, the Washington, Boston back-to-back OT games is, is at six 30 on Wednesday night, Eastern time. So that'll be a fun one. I know, you know, there's a lot of fans for both teams and I see that the, the live tweeting from some, some of you out there probably listening and just, imagining myself in your shoes as a Sabres fan, like enjoying the, the crazy thriller that it was for some of you Bruins fans getting that late goal and then winning it in overtime. We have Nashville against Carolina. I think Nashville is probably the biggest question mark on this slate. Um, what are they going to do? Uh, we have Tolvin and back at 3,300 who was benched for like seemingly no freaking reason. Like he's just like, yeah, but like why score against Carolina? Like we can keep pace with them without Tolvin in there. That, that'll work. Heinz. Um, Heinz did come out. I know Matt, you noted it before the podcast, but he kind of said like, we're going to shake things up. You got to honestly, you, I, I can't imagine trying to ride it out with that game uh, script as last time Carolina really kind of, you know, I wouldn't say they full on dominated. Like there was some chances in there for Nashville that they capitalized on, but you know, they got one lucky bounce to get to, you know, one lucky bounce and one nice goal by Forsberger, they would have got, you know, completely skunked. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the first game for Winnipeg Edmonton at nine o'clock Eastern time. I think this is probably my favorite game to stack. Um, I will 100% have McDavid in my lineup. Uh, on, you know, I guess never could be surprised, but they roll out lines with Cahoon, McDavid, and Pogliarvi, RNH, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, which it seemed like they just like changed it to out of nowhere. It was like, oh, McDavid and Dreisaitl are dominating too much. Maybe we should change it. You know, very weird of them to do, but it, it might make the slate a little bit easier for you. Um, Cahoon, 2,800, so if you need that stacking mate. And then finally, St. Louis at Colorado. Um, in the, like, are you going to just – fade Colorado because you're playing Edmonton and go Bennington lineup narrative. Uh, he had 49 shot attempts on net <laughs> Bennington. I mean, 49. you're talking about a guy that's nearly locked to get the 35 save bonus. Yeah. So it's going to be really Kim and Saros, you know, right at about the same price. Obviously um, I think anyone could tell you like Bennington, probably a better bet to get that, that bonus, but like both of these guys, are really cheap in huge, huge nut spots if they can somehow get the win. So it, it's going to be really interesting. And obviously, we don't have to talk about Colorado too much, but we'll get to them as we go through the position. So anything I missed as new, like little news and notes as we start, um, or you want to get right into center? Yeah, no, I mean the the really the, the only news that I think we should be keeping an eye on is one the Tolvanen situation. Not that he's a like I, I, there's a lot of value at wing that we'll talk about that I really like and. Tolvin might honestly be a bit thin unless we get confirmation he will be on the top power play. Um, but I think that's one spot we do need to keep an eye on. And then the other one is the status of Nick Ellers. It does sound like Nick Ellers will not be ready in time for game one. Uh, but, you know, things can change the day of. Um, but the reason we say he's likely not ready is that uh, Veselainen was actually practicing in the top six and Ellers did not skate with the team. Uh, actually, I believe he skated in a no-contact jersey, but was not in line rushes. Meanwhile, Andrew Kopp was in a no-contact jersey and was in line rushes. So it's kind of like, well, obviously, if they're in the same situation, Kopp's going to play because he was in the line rushes and Ellers is not. Um, so that's where we're at right now. 
I don't expect too much to come down the line as far as St. Louis to change things up. It's not like there's a ton they can do unless they get uh, David Perron cleared off of the COVID protocols list, but doesn't sound like that happened on Wednesday or on Tuesday and, you know, not likely to happen, you know, right before the game or anything like that. So it does sort of seem like we're in for a fun slate trying to jam in all of the studs. Um, and, you know, uh, let's get this get right after it. So we'll start at the center position. And honestly, this is probably where your, most of your lineup will start as well. Um, so the decision comes down to Connor McDavid, Nate McKinnon, or play both and forego the likes of, you know, uh, Ranton and Ovechkin, Pasternak. Like, it's really hard to fit in three of these guys, especially if we want to take advantage of the mid-tier at wing, which uh, I think we will. Um so, like, what are your thoughts maybe on Connor or McKinnon um, to sort of preface this? I've been posting something in the Discord, which, by the way, you should be in the Discord all the time. And, you know, just seeing the sort of data we put out there, it's not just me. Guys like Wookie and, um, you know, others are contributing, like, actual projections and things like that that, like, are very useful. Um, in their matchups this season, McKinnon, McDavid, they have, whatever, eight games versus their opponents they're playing McDavid I think nine or ten in those games per 20 minutes of time on ice McDavid averaged 22.7 DraftKings points against the Winnipeg Jets and Nate McKinnon averaged 22.8 DraftKings points against the St. Louis Blues so literally pound for pound almost the exact same play in aggregate so what are your thoughts here what are you doing and how do you even make that decision I mean the, the way I'm looking at it is I mean, I'm only making one lineup. Uh, It's been my bread and butter as of late and it's been working. So I'm going to really try to get a McDavid McKinnon lineup. Um, I think that the easiest way to do it, and it's not foolproof, um, but it's either just taking Landis Gog instead of Rantanen. Um, I think Landis Gog has been good enough. And obviously he had the 28.8 DraftKings points on, um, what was it, Monday. So you could talk me into it easily. The other angle on it would just be a stack the power play. And weirdly enough, we got Don Scully on the first unit. Um, I, I'm not sure if there was something going on, but it seems like that was actually like what they did. Um, it's been the case for a while. Yeah, it's been the case for a while. I, I, I'm just saying like it, it's, you know, well, they haven't have been like full go for a while. So it's been hard to know like if it was for real with McKinnon kind of being like in and out. Um, so you could talk me into just doing like a power play stack of some sort. If you could just do Don Scully and McCarr, like you could – conceivably do that on you know it's a four game slate like i know it's the playoffs but it's a four game slate you can still talk me into that kind of a narrative i'm really going to struggle to not play both of them um but if i'm gonna fade mckinnon like i'm just playing i'm I'm playing bennington like there's no way i'm I'm not playing bennington if i'm you know fading mcdavid i'm probably you know didn't even talk about it i'm probably playing hellebuck i mean he's been one of the best goalies in the league for years and it it just kind of makes a lot of sense to do that I think that, you know, we didn't even really get to it in, in full capacity, but like, are you fading Carolina then? You know, it's like, how do you possibly afford McDavid and McKinnon or, you know, even like them and their line mates and then still getting Carolina in it's seemingly a nut spot against Nashville. So it, it really is a really hard game theory kind of build that you're going to get yourself into. As of right now, where I'm talking on this podcast here at uh, 11 Eastern, I'm going to have McDavid and McKinnon in my lineup and I'm going to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I, I sort of think I'm on the same boat. Like I 
you know, I would love to be jamming in Ovi, uh, even Pasternak. I mean, just the both of those guys are in great spots. They both have very strong shot uh, shot attempts through two games. Uh, Pasta's got 18 shot attempts. Ovi has 16 shot attempts, getting roughly half of those on net. So you're basically starting with the bonus. And, you know, if either one of them scores, they're, they're great. Um, but the problem is, you know, you, you look at the numbers and McDavid and McKinnon are just like oodles better is in terms of just their median projection in this matchup. So that's sort of a really tough pill to swallow, but I think a necessary one. Um, it's worth considering in GPPs when you start like that, how do you get different? Like playing, you know, uh, Svechnikov and cheap Carolina guys probably isn't the, you know, the GPP optimal way to build there. Um, but in any case, we can move on past that discussion. If I had to pick one, I'm going with McKinnon. Uh, the reason simple, they're, they're minus 315 favorites as opposed to, you know, McDavid being like minus 130. Theoretically, there's what a 40% chance that Winnipeg wins this one. And maybe half of those times, you know, McDavid gets shut out or whatever. Whereas I'm finding it really hard to believe that McKinnon doesn't at least get you the five shot bonus, even if Colorado loses. Um, so, you know, that's, that's where my head's at there. And he's 400 cheaper. Yeah. I, I think the simplest way to put it is who do you trust more? Bennington or Hellebuck? And I think most people would answer it's probably Hellebuck. So I, that's kind of my angle on it um, as well. Like, I think I'm, I'm kind of taking McKinnon over McDavid slightly. The savings doesn't really do it for me. Like, it's, I'm not thinking like 400 makes a difference, but I agree with that. Um, I think that, you know, if you're getting, would you want to get contrarian right off the cuff? It's just go dry sidle and um, New York Hopkins. I think that that's like the most contrarian way of doing things is just like maybe playing McKinnon solo and then doing that or putting him with Don Square, like I mentioned. Um, that That's one way to get super contrarian because I do think they'll get huge minutes, but it, well, we'll see what happens. Um, moving past the top echelon of center. So is there anyone else though? Aho, obviously, and Bergeron, we, we kind of mentioned um, that you're considering above maybe we'll just say 4K just to make it easy. Yeah. Um... So 4K, I think Nick Backstrom at 4,700 has to be considered. Um, he's not going to be a guy who you play in cash games. You don't necessarily have to play him if you really like Ovechkin. But you're talking about a guy who mans the first unit, plays 20 minutes, and is going to be connected to the hip with Ovechkin, you know, assuming that Kuznetsov remains out, um, which we are. We haven't, you know, he's traveling with them, but I don't know. Like, it's really tough to know. They might not even trust him to play anymore. Um, so, you know, between the status though of Kuznetsov and Eller, I'm expecting at least one of them to be out. Um, and you know, Backstrom is just going to be the guy. He's so cheap. He has three point upside. And again, he's cheap enough to play with, you know, uh, Mc, uh, McDavid or McKinnon and still have a nice lineup around him. So I like him other guys, you know, I think you can absolutely stack up Boston's first line, um, you know, Carolina's a bit interesting because they jumbled their lines almost immediately. Um, but, you know, I still prefer Jordan Stahl over Aho. Just I don't think Aho's $3,000 better of a play. Um, and it's just really tough to sort of see myself playing Aho over, you know, the top two studs. So I think that's really it for me. Like, it's pretty cut and dry. I want my center position to be where I pay way up and the wing to be sort of where I'm getting value. But could change. Uh, anyone that you were thinking of in the middle range before we get to some pump plays? No, no, I think I think that's pretty much nailed it. I mean, 4,500 Krejci, he played in the first power play, but like 
he just doesn't have the floor for me yeah, on this slate would, to, to get it just, there. So I would just play Jordan Stahl. Like Jordan Stahl yeah, is yeah, reliable. Right like, of course, he scored two goals and that's going to help things. Yeah. But like you're talking about a guy who's going to be first over the boards on the PK, first over the boards yeah. on the power play. Like, I mean, he's everything yeah. you want for less than 4K. Like, um, you know, he's slightly better shots wise than Backstrom, too. And he's 800 cheaper. So I really like Stahl. Um, but yeah, we can see what they plan to do with, in terms of their lines and all that. So all right the, the the stone punts i mean it's really really hard to sink your teeth into someone and say it's like a clear-cut top play um i think if i'm gonna actually pick one it might be robert thomas just because i think he has the skill to get it done um he hasn't really shown any sort of a floor but at 2600 you're just praying for a point um and i think that he's on the ice enough for me to consider that with his skill power play two um that it could get done uh, other than that i mean like maybe Stastny just because that seems to be a really good value spot. Um, Winnipeg is basically top line and then stone cold minimums, um, including guys like Vaselanin who we're going to get to obviously, but look at past line one. There's one guy above 4k and that's Andrew Kopp. The rest are three, one or below. I believe I don't think there's one player above three, one uh, Appleton's three. Yeah. That's below three, one. Holy crap. Good math. Um, so th- there's a lot of value on Winnipeg. And I think that you could consider targeting it against some of the weaker um, lines that Edmonton's going to roll out after the first two. So that that's one angle to take maybe. Um, Stastny, you know, he hasn't played in a while. It sounds like he's fine. He didn't practice, but he was actually on 31 Thoughts Podcast. And he was like, yeah, like you do that when you play a thousand games. You just don't need to. So I think he's fine um, to be on that second line. And potentially, you know, he's going to be on one of the top power plays. Like we'll see what shapes out. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to probably second you on Robert Thomas if I'm going this cheap. Yeah. I think he's totally fine. Um, worth noting that I do really like um, Mike Hoffman, but he did flip off of that line going up to the Tarasenko line, uh, you know, midway through that game. So we'll see what sticks there. Um, but, you know, I, I think Jordan Cairo is who you'd want to stack with Robert Thomas anyway, get that power play exposure. You get the guy who's likely to shoot the puck if Thomas is getting a multi-point game. So uh, we can cap off center there. Let's go over to wing. Um, you know, of course, we're looking at this from the viewpoint of, um, you know, jamming in the top center. So some of these wings are going to be tough to jam in. We have Miko Rantanen, Ovechkin, Pasternak. Um, Pasta seems really cheap at 7,300. We saw him be pretty popular on the Monday slate. However, I'm not convinced that he will be that high owned on this slate just because we introduced McDavid into the fold. Um, we introduced, you know, like dry as well. <laughs> like it's just really easy to, you know, to, to just sort of see some of the ownership siphoning off there. Um, yeah, so that's sort of where I'm at right now. Like, yeah. it's it's not like Pasternak's blown our socks off for a while now. He's been kind of, uh, I'm not going to say bad, but he's not cert- he's certainly not been to the level of a, you know, of a McDavid or a McKinnon or whatever. So I'm sort of of the mindset of, like, not playing Boston 1, but I might find myself onto it uh, just because Marshan's actually been so good. Um, but I mean, if you had to pick one up here, like who are you going with? You talked about Landy earlier, like a lot of options. Yeah. I mean, it, I really think at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to like, is there one guy that's head and shoulders above the rest? 
No, I would say no is the easiest answer. Like, I don't think that you have to have to have to have one of them. So it's going to be, it's a four game slate. And I, you know, I would just keep, I keep saying that because I think it's really important here to remember that even though every one of these games is a super big focal point, it's only four games. So not getting the correlation in is probably not the way to do it. So I, I have kind of been toying around with some different builds and, you know, seeing like I could get McDavid, McKinnon and Pasternak and then kind of make it work. But doing that and spreading yourself thin is going to be tough. So you're going to have to make a difficult decision here. I think Pasternak for the price is probably my favorite play. But if I'm, you know, prioritizing McKinnon, I think Landeskog is going to become my favorite play just because of that, because I want to get that correlation in there. And, you know, going from Pasternak to Landeskog doesn't quite get me Makar money. But if I, you know, can mess around with the lineup enough, I might be able to get myself there. Um, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it uh, right now at this point. Um, yeah, that's that's certainly fair enough. Um, you know, obviously I would love to get to Rantanen. Um, you know, he's going to touch the puck more on the power play. And, you know, Landis Gong just historically hasn't been the sort of point producer that, you know, uh, McKinnon and Rantanen are, but that's why there's the discount. So um, certainly if, you know, if, if you think there's something to the idea that, you know, like, Landis Gog is a playoff player or whatever. Um, you know, I'm totally fine with that. Worth pointing out that while McKinnon averaged about 23 DraftKings points per 20 minutes against St. Louis, um, he did miss a couple games in those games that he missed. So, you know, it's kind of tainted. Um, you know, Rantanen and Landis Gog, I believe, played. Um, actually, Rantanen missed a couple too because Bur- Burakovsky was up there. Anyway, McKinnon, 23 DraftKings points per 20 minutes. Ranton and Landeskog both down at 11. Um, kind of a weird, you know, like difference. It, it's not something I find too meaningful, but I think it tells me that I'm not looking to jam in one of these guys just for the sake of getting the correlation. Um, you mentioned the power play guys. I'm totally fine with that. Um, or just getting cheaper. So like if I picked one, it would obviously be Ovechkin. You know, I'm an OV. Yeah. I'm an OV truther. Um, I'm just going to mention minutes again, though. Ovi played 17 minutes last game. Pasternak played 16. Like, just really weird stuff. You know, that game ended 30 seconds into overtime. So, like, a full game, a tight game, and just not a ton of run for these guys. Um, You know, meanwhile, Ransom played 22 minutes in what was basically a blowout. So, you know, it's tough to sort of uh, quantify that. Uh, One note on Kyle Connor, he struggled against Edmonton all year. Um, Just, you know doesn't have great numbers versus them. So I, I'm pretty comfortable Xing him out for this expensive price. All right, now let's get down to the mid tier where I think most of the decisions will have to be made. Unfortunately, just because we can afford the top. Uh, give me a couple names down here that you just, you know, you think that right now that you would be perfectly comfortable slotting them in and we can discuss. I mean, I kind of mentioned Nugent Hopkins. I, I do think he's a little bit under the radar just because I don't, I don't think that looking at the Edmonton Lions and taking them as gospel is this is the way to do it here, where like if they get down by a goal, they might just completely abandon the script and put either, you know, try settle back with McDavid or maybe Nutra Hopkins, you know, either or. So he just kind of becomes a little bit of like a GPP caveat for me at 5,500 is just too cheap. Obviously, Sveshnikov, that, that goes almost without saying at this point, and Tara Vinen, they're, they're super good values um, against Nashville. I do think that 
uh, part of me is like, you know what, no matter what I do here, like the goalie I'm taking, I'm going to have no one playing against. And I do think Soros is like pretty intriguing to me right now, especially if I'm stacking Colorado. Um, and then Taylor Hall, 5,300. I mean, what does this guy have to do to be priced up? Um, continues to drop and actually we'll stay the same from the last late seven shots on goal and the goal there. Uh, he's an elite player. Um, just not getting the first power play run, but I, I don't think that's catastrophic for him. And maybe it changes. I mean, that first power play looked terrible. I, I don't know how much you watched that game, Matt, but they couldn't do anything right. They went with Bergeron, Krejci, Marsha, and McAvoy, and Pasternak, and it, it was pretty abysmal to watch. They had a one good chance with Pasternak, and other than that, it was pretty much dead. So above 5K, that's pretty much where I'm looking. I do have some sort of a narrative of, like, going with some Boston and, and, and kind of riding that out because I do think they're the better team there. But more than likely, I'm going to end up with, uh, like I said, McDavid and McKinnon, and that's going to make that impossible. But I do like Boston a lot, so Taylor Hall could be that like odd oddity one-off play that makes yeah. it work. Um, so I I love that you mentioned Nugent Hopkins and Svechnikov first because that's honestly what I was going to do. Uh, starting with Svechnikov, um, like you know, obviously he had the monster game, eight shots, including the empty netter to cap things off. A little concerned that he only played 14 minutes despite getting moved off of the stall line and put up with Aho um, for a decent stretch of that game. So, you know, that's that's a little concerning, but he's, you know, uh, I was calling him out for being great against Nashville before that game. And, you know, uh, he was. And frankly, everyone was good against Nashville and Carolina because he took so many damn shots, um, you know, throughout the season. Nugent Hopkins, sort of a question of how much you buy that his production uh, was due to the fact that he was, you know, with McDavid for most of the games against Winnipeg, because on the year in eight games, he had five goals, five assists, 33 shots on net, four shots a game against Winnipeg. And that's not surprising considering that Winnipeg is one of the least possession dominant teams in the league. So, you know, this playoff series, I think the first game I might want to take a step back. I don't think Nugent Hopkins will kill me. Um, and if I had to pick one, I'm probably going with Svechnikov myself. Um, but I do like that you mentioned Nugent Hopkins. As a total flyer, Forsberg, I think is definitely a play. Um, would love to see Tolvanen on the top line, top power play, that sort of mini stack. Um, but that's nothing than like a you know one out of 10 type lineups thing. Getting cheaper, I think what I really want to do is play Tarasenko and Mike Hoffman. Yeah. It, like, look, I'm okay with it, yeah. Yeah, like at some point you can't just be picking, you know, Edmonton, Colorado, Carolina, and expect to win. Like, you know, yes, sure, maybe all three teams hit, but, you know, spread out scoring happens, you know, things happen. And the fact that Tarasenko and Hoffman right now seem like they're on the same five-on-five -five line and they're manning the, the power play one with no Peron. Like Tarasenko, Krug, and Hoffman will be touching the puck the majority of the time on on a really good power play in St. Louis. And they are sub 5K each. Like Mike Hoffman and Tarasenko each have three-point upside here. Um, and, you know, just stacked together, I think they unlock a ton. You don't need to make sacrifices to do so. Like, it just fits really well. And, yeah, they're probably going to lose. But you know, the 20% of the time that they win, I think these guys in the power play make it happen. So um, that's sort of my mindset. I really like those two. And I know it's going to be a bit contrarian, but I think those are my two favorite plays, like in the 4K range. Uh, anyone else that you like before we move on? 
I mean, I think Tarasenko is probably the the best by at least a decent margin. Um, I I could talk myself into Arvidsson. Honestly, he's been real weak, and, and it's going to be tough to really get that as perfect. But there, there's is a lot of value in Nashville here. Um, you know, they're not they didn't look great, but they could shake it up and make something happen. And Arvidsson was top line. I would say top power play, although the power plays were kind of weird. Um, but him and Ekholm are like a really, really cheap two-man stack that I think has like pretty decent upside against Carolina if they can, you know, make it happen. And if you're playing Soros, like I think I might end up talking to myself and do. Um, it could work out. Don Skoy, like I mentioned, first power play. Um, not going to get a ton, a ton of five-on-five minutes. You're going to be kind of tough to correlate him. He played with Kadri and Burkowski, but that isn't the power play matchup. So... I don't know. It's okay. You know, sometimes Colorado too just does the, the three goal thing and wins a slate. So it could be, you never know. Um, and then below 4k, I think Nita Ryder is the easiest play at 3,900 um, scored, uh, scored against Nashville. He was like, like you mentioned, they jumbled the lines around and he ended up being with Trotrek and Natros who both assisted on his goal. That seems like a pretty fun little line. If you don't play um, Saros and up going that route. And then it's, probably you know above 3k the cheap nash uh, not Nashville, the cheap st louis guys being like schwartz um the main one there he saw the 19 minutes and power play two so schwartz who played with uh, like you said they kind of moved riley and riley and shen Shen, yeah so that should stick and he is 3400 he's really cheap yeah really freaking cheap so that's probably the the best and then you know the, the super duper punts I already kind of mentioned, you know, Vasilainen, um, who was promoted and, and looks like he's on the line too. And, and like I said, it's he he's a guy that we talked about early in the year. He profiles super well to be a really nice rate shooter. And, and you know, I thought he'd come into the league and maybe make a little bit of noise. Didn't really do that at all. Um, only played six games with Manitoba this year. He had five points, only one of them being a goal. He was loaned to uh, the, the Finnish league. He had eight points in 10 games. So he's producing at all the levels except for the NHL. So, you know, maybe it comes together. He's minimum salary. Uh, he, he's interesting at least to say that, you know, to say that like how many times does Winnipeg score three goals against Edmonton? Yeah, you know, it, it seems to be in the realm of possibility in the first round of a playoff game. You know, could he be involved in one of those goals and get an assist in two or three shots and, you know, really be a, a nice piece in their lineup? I, I think compared to the rest of the minimum salary guys, he's definitely in in – a good spot to do that so those are the main guys i wanted to mention okay uh thank you you actually gave me some time to dig into uh something i did want to mention um which go. was jake debrusque um because yeah we might have missed the horse ball i mean uh, you know i got some jake debrusque but obviously didn't play him in main or anything uh because he had five shots and a goal uh moved from the fourth line up to the third line that's probably where he stops. You know, there's, there's probably not a job up in the top six for him. However, you did mention their power play was struggling. Remember Jake DeBrusque, you know, a couple of years ago, like power play one stalwart, like, you know, I would not be totally surprised if instead of, you know, throwing things out and going crazy or whatever, they said, let's just run back what we were doing, but just put DeBrusque in over Richie and see if that sparks things. I'm not saying it's going to happen. We don't have any confirmation of it. Um, but we have some good coach speak saying like, yeah, you know, Jake DeBrusque's uh, super invested and like, you know, basically Cassidy's just like talking him up and he's looking really good. 3.2. I'm happy to take a stab at him again. 
you know, he's going to be slightly more popular than he was last late, where it was like two or 3%. But I don't think he hits like the 15 to 20% range where you go, you know, you start to go like, yeah, you know, maybe it's getting too chalky. So I think that's the guy that I might be willing to take stabs on. Um, and, you know, I'll second your thoughts on Veselainen. He's certainly a fine, um, you know, flyer type play. Another guy similar is Dominic Cahoon. He's actually yeah. had some decent shot games. Um, he kills penalties, so he could get, you know, some blocks as well. Um, so I don't hate pairing him with McDavid. Like, that one's probably going to be 20-ish percent owned. So, you know, be, be careful with it, with the lineups you're building with it. Um, but I don't hate the idea. And then lastly, Alex Chason. You know, what, what more is there to say? He might touch the puck before it goes in the net. And that's, you know, he's 2.5. <laughs> just, just like, just get over it and just plug your nose and play him because you do need the salary relief in a big way. Yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? Defense? Let's do it. Defense? Let's do it. So uh, a lot of the uh, normal suspects, Hamilton, Nurse, Yossi, Barry, Carlson, and Makar. I skipped Makar. Um, <laughs> I think Dougie you played know, 20 it, minutes. I hate that. I hate it. Um, yep. Sucked. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I think that if you're going to talk me into someone, it's probably Makar. Um, I think that he is the, the, the easiest case to make. You really, if you're playing Yossi, then you might as well just take like a three-man Nashville stack in Soros and, and pray they, you know, Lindelkovich just poops his pants. Like, I, I don't really know another angle to take 61,000 um, Yossi in this scenario. Nurse, he doesn't even play the first power play. It's really, really hard again to talk me into him. And I'm willing to throw away the last couple of weeks of his game logs and just say like, well, before then he was so, so, so good. And he might hit both bonuses. And I get that. And it's definitely worth considering, but only if you're doing a massive Edmonton stack. If you're going onslaught Edmonton, sure, throw him in. I think Barry might be a better play though. Um, and then other than that, I mean, Carlson 5,900 is really enticing too, but he just hasn't been shooting yeah, in these I, playoffs. I, so, again, and I feel like it's almost been every slate where I end up coming down to it, but I've been punting defense and feeling fine about it. And there's a lot of really good punts. So the odds of me having someone other than maybe Makar, I think Makar is, like I said, the most interesting per- person up the top here. I don't think I'm going to have anyone above – I don't think I've ever anyone above like four or five. Like, yeah, that's I, I really is somewhat interesting, but that he might lose the power play run because of how bad they were. He's had back to back shot bonus games. I mean, maybe you know, if you're stacking Boston again, like he fits stacking Boston, he doesn't fit on his own. I'm gonna end up punting defense. There's a lot of punts. Let's Let's get to them. Is there anyone you want to mention above, let's just say four or five? That yeah, you want I mean, to get too quickly. And- if I am picking one, it's probably Dougie at the top. Like I, I'm fighting with him though because I had a great thing going last game or last night, and he just didn't, you know, he did nothing, um, which really hurt. So, you know, that's probably, you know, that's probably it for me. I, I don't see myself paying for anyone else in this range, like you're talking about. Ryan Ellis and Charlie McAvoy are both you know, pretty solid plays. I would think those are the two guys that if I have some money to spend, that's where I would go to if I can't get all the way up. Um, But otherwise, yeah, let's talk about some of these punts because I, I, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of you are going to have similar questions of like, you know, what, what do I do? Um, Can I ask you one quick question before we, before we say this? 
how much are you considering? And, and, you know, this is kind of a narrative that I've been, maybe a trend I've been seeing. Are you considering three defense and GPP? Just because there, there seems to be in the playoffs just more block shots. And I don't know if it's just like the, like, oh, like be tough and block a shot thing. Or maybe like, I, I feel like there's just been a lot of block bonuses going out there. Are you um, considering three defense? I'm considering it. I think it takes a special slate. Um, and, you know, frankly, I'm not sure any of the slates up until this point with three games and some pretty good values, uh, it, you know, uh, <laughs> across the slate. I don't think any of these slates really have shaved up for it, though this one probably could. Um the, the total punts at wing are kind of thin, like, you know, you're chasing a vessel line and, uh, or you're chasing, you know, the, the corpse of Jake DeBrusque or things like that. Like I could totally see it. Like why you'd want to say, I need three players who are three K like, let's just make them all defensemen. I, I'm okay with that. It's not really what I'm, it's not what I'm trying to do though. So I'm probably you going said to special slate that. and this felt like that special slate to me. Like, yeah, you have this value down at the bottom at defense where you could put three in and get McDavid, yeah, McKinnon, so, you know, ranting in. And like that, anyway. that's kind of the angle I'm thinking, but okay, well, let's get to the actual plays now. Yeah. This so we get to predecess, you know, I, I'm not saying he's the best one, but probably the one that I just immediately am drawn toward is Brandon Carlo at 2.9. Like he's going to play 20, 22 minutes. Um, I really like him. You know, if you look, if you think about it strategically, he's also the guy on the Ovechkin side of the ice on the PK. Um, so, you know, like Ovechkin's going to shoot regardless of whether there's a guy there or not. So like, that's a minor thing, but Carlos had pretty good success against Washington all season, uh, six games, 14 blocks. So, you know, a couple shy of averaging the blocks bonus in each game. And that, that's about it. Like you're just hoping for a random slap shot assist or something like that. Otherwise, um, but 2.9 for 22 minutes. I think he's the first guy who sort of jumps out to me. Um, and then the second one in the same game is Nick Jensen, who isn't quite as reliable in terms of minutes. He went from well, he uh, got hurt. Yeah, he got hurt. So, you know, if you if you are taking that into account, maybe he's on track to play 20. Doesn't even seem like that might have been the case, though. Um, but uh, so maybe Nick Jensen at pure, pure punt status. Um, but there's, there's a lot of guys. So those are just the two that I think I had in mind, but yeah. anyone that you have, I, I think that the two guys in a similar price range that are more like GPP upside plays are Mike Riley, who I think is just a really, really good puck mover, who is just seemingly seeing a lot more minutes as the tempo goes up. He had three shots, three blocks, 22.5 minutes last game out. And he just, if you watch the game, he looked awesome. A guy that had 27 assists, no goals on the year, which which is somewhat surprising. But, you know, th- th- this is a guy that could have an assist and, and hit the block bonus and really get you where you need to be. Um, the correlating pieces might be tough. You know, he's not in the first power play, probably not going to be the second power play, which definitely hurts his upside. Um, the defenseman that you wanted to have on the last slate when he played was Brett Pesci who had three shots, two blocks, two assists. You know, it's hard to rely on those two assist games, but he sees the minutes at 3,300. You know, he's going to get over 20. Like that, that is nearly a mortal lock. So that makes it a little bit easier to stomach. <clears throat> um, as far as like stone cold, uh, these are pretty much stone cold punts, but maybe instead of stone cold punts, maybe a little bit ex- more expensive, just like a little, you know, if you have a couple hundred dollars to spare, I do like at home. He played a lot of power play run. And he's just really good. <clears throat> and I think that he is, he has, you know, more than anyone we've mentioned, the double bonus upside that you're looking for. Nah. Just, you don't think so? No. 
I think I think the Ekholm that we saw the you know at the beginning of the season was a freaking fluke. Um, you know, I know he had four last game, wrong. whatever, but I he's he's historically been a really low shot guy. Um, so you know, when I can save a thousand to get the guys who I think are kind of similar, like I get Ekholm's a much better player, but like you don't get points for you know successful zone exits and things like that. So um, yeah, that that's just my personal stance. So I you know, but I'll, I'll listen to your case for it. Um, so that, that, I mean, that's fine. Did you have anyone else? Um, or I just had a couple of sort of flyer names that I was going to put out there just for, you know, those who need it. I mean, part of me wants to say Ryan Graves and part of me wants to not say it. So <laughs> yeah, you don't want me to leave this podcast. So just, you know, just it's like, like part of me is like, if you had guaranteed block shot guy, eh, maybe yeah. the, oh. the, the hilarious thing is Graves had been absolutely dog shit against the, yeah. uh, the, the blues like just doing nothing like two blockable shots per game first game of the playoffs of course ryan graves steps up and gets eight you know eight blockable shots like whatever that's fine um one guy Derek forbert very similar to brandon carlo you know 2.9 but likely to play in the top four for winnipeg um you know you're looking for the blocks bonus there jake beans much more fun he's minimum salary he played only 13 minutes last game, but did get onto the uh, second power play unit. So some upside there out of him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a number of defensemen. Yeah. And DeMello is also minimum salary top four. So if yeah, you look at Winnipeg D pairings, it was Morrissey and DeMello, Forbord and Pionk um, as, as top four. So, I mean, I don't like it because I think DeMello is just really not good. But yeah, I mean... That, I, I much I prefer to. Forbert to DeMello just like as a blocks, you know, profile, but yeah, yeah. whatever. You're, you're, you're splitting hairs at that point. Just saying stone cold pun to the night. It's what, is there anyone else that we've said? A stone no, cold pun? I mean, there's, there's more, of course. Jens, like, Jensen that, might that's, be better. Jensen might be better. Yeah. I, I agree yeah. with that. Okay, so okay. there right. we go. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention about goalies, I'm not going to talk about specific goalies, but I actually do think it's very reasonable to play multiple skaters against your goalie. Um, you know, maybe not in like the lotto $10 GPP where there's 5,000, 6,000 entries, but in anything where there's like, I don't know, 400, 300, 200, like, you know, obviously smaller, like if there's such upside to getting a game that with a really high tempo that goes to overtime that like, it's kind of worth, you know, the, the obvious risk of, you know, a lot of the time it's either or like my stack does really well or my goalie sucks um, or whatever, vice versa. My goalie does really well or my goalie sucks. And like, you know, there's obviously a very binary outcome. But if you hit the sweet spot and your players get a bunch of shots, maybe you get some extra time and overtime, um, it can pay off. And we saw it, you know, Bennington, uh, McKinnon, like his friends were slate winners. Bennington was the highest scoring goalie. And we have a guy like Saros who could also say the same thing. Like, I mean, Craig Anderson put up 42 saves. Like, these games are really high tempo, and there's not that much differentiation in goalie pricing to where, like, you really need to feel like you're uh, just chasing wins. Like, I think you're just chasing shot volume. And, you know, uh, I will continue to sort of pick a guy here, you know, pick a couple of guys against my goalie and not feel bad about it because I'm targeting the environment more than I am the game. Uh, you know, the game result. So I'll, I'll just say that we can leave it there. Let's just do a couple of guaranteed goals. I mean, we know what we're going to say for stacks. It's going to be jam in Colorado, jam in Edmonton, jam in Carolina. Um, but let's just do a couple of guaranteed goals and get on out of here.
Jeez, you want my Zach Cassian McLeod Neal take that? <laughs> All right, I'll save it. I'll save it for the next time we record. Um, yeah, no, I think for for guaranteed goals, it's I mean impossible to take McDavid. It's I think that's impossible right. to take McKinnon. Yeah, but just just impossible to take McKinnon. So we're gonna have to get creative here. I think I'll take a cheap guy to start. I'll, I'll try to make it. You know, I'm gonna have to go with that cheap. I'll just go Gabriel Landeskog. You know what? I'll just he scored last game. I think that you know. I think that some teams may be just trying to key in on as much as possible McKinnon and Rantanen as a two-man. And I think Landon Escogda might be the big beneficiary. You know, I'm not going to say I have like super backing numbers to prove this. It's just maybe following game logs and looking at a few things. But Landon Escog's shot numbers have seemingly gone way up at the end of the year and continuing hopefully into the playoffs. I mean, we had the four shot. So I'm hoping for a five shot from him. And I, I just think that he's a little bit undervalued at 6,500. Like how much worse is he than some of these top tier guys, you know, be the point per game. And he's been shooting a ton lately. I just don't really see it. So 6,500 Gabriel Landeskog, the wow. captain. I was going to, I mean, I was going to take my guaranteed goal, but Matt Dumba just scored from the point. So I'm literally like swimming in dollars right now. Um, so probably, fun. probably shit. Did, 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 was it Hartman and Caprizo? Uh, it was the Eric Snack line. Anyway, uh, yeah, well, my first time. guaranteed goal, going to ride the heater on Mike Hoffman. Like, look, he had seven shot attempts last game. He got absolutely robbed by Ryan Graves, of all people, on a, on a surefire goal. Um, like I said, he's playing with Tarasenko at 5-on-5. He's on the first power play unit. Like, that's not changing. Maybe the Tarasenko one does. Um, but, frankly, he's just too cheap for how explosive he is. And if you're looking for a sub 10% owned multi-goal guy, you're not finding anyone cheaper than Mike Hoffman, in my opinion, who has that sort of potential. Um, so I, I will go him to start things off. Um, yeah, what? Yeah, take, take the guy that's right in the range I'm looking at. Perfect, perfect, perfect. <laughs> no, that's great. I had 4,500 and I was like, oh, Hoffman's right there. And you're like, well, let me start off with the cheap guy. So I guess I got to go cheaper. And then that's okay. You know, we, we can go cheap. We can go real cheap. We're, we're going to take a guy that's, you know what? I'm gonna take a guy that's. God, did you have another guy? Uh, let, me, let me let you go first. I want. I'm gonna get the right player here. Uh, sure. I was going to take uh, Vinny Trotrak. Five point nine. Um, you know, I, I don't. I just think that he's a little bit too cheap for his upside, and he's only got. You know, he only one, only had one shot last game. Pretty disappointing. Um, but he's got the role. I think that. You know, he's uh, playing with Nachos, one of I think he's the best playmaker on the team, honestly. So, like, give me Trocek. Maybe he snaps out of it. Um, so, yeah, that, that'll be my two guarantee goals. Mike Hoffman and Vinny Trocek. Okay, so I have Gabriel Landeskog, which I don't think is that bold of a take. So I want to get bold. I don't want to go – I don't want to go overboard. I'll just take Jaden Schwartz. You know, you already took a guy in that game, but 3,400 – I don't think you're going to do much better than a guy that's probably going to see over 18 minutes and probably going to shoot at least four or five pucks at the net. Um, mm-hmm. That that seems maybe even more. So I'll take that, and um, that seems that seems easy, easy enough. Okay, um, I got a little I got a little sad because Marcheso went down and immediately scored right after, um, but um, still still very very good positioning. So while I go to sweat out the rest of this playoff slate. Um, hope you guys have a great Wednesday, you know, let, let us know if this format, us talking about it position by position is helpful, or if you'd prefer us to sort of go game by game, like we do for the Mayo media network. Um, you know, honestly, because there's not, you know, eight, nine games, 
it's perfectly reasonable for us to go game by game. Um, but for me, when I do it, I sort of think it's more useful to think about, you know, how am I building a lineup um, positionally and salary wise and things like that. And, you know, positional makes it easier. But I uh, would love to hear you guys feedback, especially in the discord. That would be um, excellent. You know what you prefer, what you want to hear uh, from us. And we can keep churning out these, you know, nice pods uh, every once in a while. I'm not going to say every, you know, every day during the week or anything, because that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, but we can certainly, you know, check in here and there with some content as we go through the first few weeks of the playoffs. So, uh, you know, reach me on Twitter at fake moods, DJs at DJ underscore Mitchell 94. And the podcast itself is at morning skate pod and DM us there. If you want to get in the discord, uh, it's, you know, we've got liquid magma hot fire going on there. So that just, you know, good things coming as Matt rakes in all of the money tonight. Well, I hope so. I really hope this holds. Um, so we'll leave it there. Any last words, DJ? Um, no, uh, thanks for everyone for listening. I mean, we were hoping to announce some news today. Hopefully we can announce it next podcast um, and get in the discord. We added a few more members and it's just, just really good times. You know, I, I think that, like you said, it, it's not just me and you like trying to give people advice. Like it is people giving us advice and there's a lot of really sharp, really big winners in there. So jump in, um, get involved or just, you know, be a fly on the wall. It doesn't matter. You don't need to be the, the biggest uh, star in town and, and, that, and that discord just to get a lot of information. So uh, other than that, uh, yep, just enjoy the summer and get some money to go and, and enjoy that summer. I'm about to be buying festival tickets. Feels good. <laughs> yeah, you, you need some you need some GPU points to cover for your uh, freaking music yeah. obsession. The question I, is Lollapalooza or Shaky Knees. That's the I, question we have at hand. I do not care. All right, let's get out of here. From Doug, from DJ, from myself. Have a good slate, everybody, and we will see ya.